0: Hi, listeners. This is Understand South Carolina, a weekly news podcast by The Post and Courier. Today, we're going to be talking about a plan to protect Charleston from rising seas that would really be the city's biggest flood mitigation project yet, an eight-mile seawall wrapping around the peninsula. I'm Emily Williams.
1: I'm Gavin McIntyre. We're joined on the podcast today by reporter Chloe Johnson, who has been reporting on this proposed seawall plan since the spring. She also writes about climate change and its effect on the Charleston area.
0: So these plans could make Charleston a walled city again for the first time in centuries. For the first 100 years of its existence, you may know this, Charleston fortified itself with walls uh, to keep out enemies. And now we have a bit more of an, an abstract but still threatening enemy, and that is sea level rise. So thanks, Chloe, for joining us. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. So let's just jump right into it. Uh let's just start by explaining what is this seawall. So I know I just said eight miles, but, but what is this plan? Um, Where would this wall be if it were to be built?
2: Right. Well, so frustratingly, exactly where the wall goes is somewhat still to be decided. Um, But I think it's important to back up and understand the process we're going through. So this is a project by the army Corps of engineers, Um, which is a federal agency, of course. And what they're in the middle of right now is a three-year, $3 million study um, to decide how to protect the city from hurricane storm surge. So Charleston floods in a lot of different ways, unfortunately. Um, You know, we might get really extreme high tides, like on a, you know, just on a random day. Um, We might get rainfall flooding um, that kind of coincides with our flat topography and poor drainage, you know, or we could get storm surge from a hurricane because when a hurricane approaches, you know, it lifts up the ocean and basically pushes it onto land um, far higher than it would have been normally. During Hurricane Hugo, which I think everyone here remembers, but which did not actually directly hit Charleston Um, I think the estimate is that storm surge was like 20 feet. So imagine a 20-foot wall of water coming at you. Um, Not very pleasant in Charleston, where we're in literally the low country. So the Army Corps is in the middle of the study, and they are only supposed to deal with storm surge. That is the only thing they've been tasked with protecting us against. And for some that's proved a little frustrating, right? Because we could have, you know, several bad rainstorms a year that flood your car or that you have to walk through on the way to work. Um, Stuff that's not quite as catastrophic but immensely obnoxious and damaging, you know, depending on where you live. Um, But that's not the core's concern. The core's only concern is storm surge. They've been working on a feasibility study since the beginning of 2019. Um, and they've had a few meetings, not a ton, uh, talking to the public and sort of, they solicited input at the beginning. Um, then in April of this year, they released their draft, uh, feasibility study.
1: I saw in one of your stories, uh, Mayor John Tungberg mentioned that this is one of the first instances where they've kind of got input from, uh, the Army Corps of Engineers to deal with storm surge. I guess, have there been any, uh, local efforts by the city of Charleston to deal with this? So,
2: you know, I mean, the the city, like all flood prone cities, um, has certain jobs to do where they have to like carry out regulations, FEMA regulations related to flooding. So, you know, they have to make sure buildings are the right height. Um, there have been some cases in the past where that hasn't happened, unfortunately, in Charleston. Um, The city has also gotten federal money before, you know, most recently to buy out homes, mostly in like suburban areas like West Ashley, um, where there was a lot of flooding from 2015 onward from rainfall. So, again, a different type of flooding problem than we're talking about here. Uh, So the city has gotten federal grants that way, but this would be um, a massive investment of federal money. We should have said this at the top, but this is like so expensive. Uh, 1.75 billion is the estimated price right now. Um, The city would be responsible for part of that. So, like 600 million or so. Um, But, like a lot of factors here, you know, that could drastically change depending on if we build this thing in five years or 20 years, right? I mean, think about inflation labor costs changing material costs changing
1: and it sounds like the the plans are you know obviously constantly changing as they get more input uh from the community and other agencies uh but is there kind of an idea of what the wall would look like
2: yeah this is like the constant question um and our most recent piece on this is all about the public comments that were sent in and like a million people, <laughs> not literally a million, but a bunch of people were asking, what's this thing going to look like? Is it going to block views of the water? Um, in some places, that's probably going to be inevitable. But in Charleston, we really care about those views. And even like the National Park Service kind of cares if you can't see Fort Sumter, for example, from the bottom of the Charleston Peninsula, um, because its location is important historically and strategically in the various wars that Charleston was involved in. So the core um, kind of has refused so far to to provide like a picture of what this might look like. And the core has built many walls in many places to stop flooding of different kinds. Um, but they're just sort of unwilling, in this case to really describe its look at all. Um, there was a local engineering firm that did renderings of of different types of core walls in locations around the city. You know, just as an example, right? Not saying this is exactly what it would look like, and they're a private firm. They're not the core. But as an example of of what these walls might look like, I know the city's goal is to make it potentially in some places like the battery. So if you've been to Charleston, the battery is at essentially the bottom of downtown. Um, below White Point Garden with all those pretty oaks and the gazebo, and it's like a lifted sort of walkway that you can walk on that doubles as a seawall. So the battery would get higher under this proposal, three feet higher, um, and the city wants to make a walkway like that around more parts of of the peninsula, um, which would be cool, but if we want to make it, you know, be pretty and functional, it's something that the local sponsor, Charleston, would have to pay for.
0: Yeah, I feel like that aesthetic aspect of it is really interesting especially because you are talking about you know the part of Charleston the the peninsula that is historic that is known for the fact that it looks like you're going back in time in so many places and because it's been preserved and in many places pretty uh, the city definitely cares cares about that so I, it's interesting to follow along with that aesthetic piece of it. Um I'm also wondering if you can describe because there's there's going to be the wall itself, but there are other aspects to this that would go into the actual function of protecting the the city from storm surge, right? There are, there are gates involved. What are what are some of those other aspects of this that um, that you can kind of explain for us how this would work other than just being
2: you know a wall that that blocks um, that blocks the the wave itself. Right. So, you know, should Charleston commit to this, find the money, move forward with it, you know, if everyone in town gets on the same page, um, this would be immensely complicated to actually maintain, because you're right, you know, there would need to be gates in all sorts of places, you know, roads that this would slice through, walking paths, um, access to various marinas that are on the outside of the city. You know, Charleston is where it is because of its water access, right? So there's all these different you know, the aquarium, marinas, um ports facilities, all these different places that are on the waterfront that would not be behind the wall. Um, and so the city basically would need to create or work with some sort of entity that's tasked with opening and closing gates. Some of these gates would cross tidal creeks, um which are really sensitive habitat, right? So, the way the army corps described it initially is that these gates would be open pretty much all the time unless a storm is approaching which is probably the more straightforward way to approach it right and if you have a tidal creek you you need to allow water to move in and out um for it to function correctly right so you know that's that's one thing in new orleans there's like a whole um I think it's a state agency that that operates the levees and locks and everything that's there. It's immensely complicated. This would not be that complicated. Right. But they have a whole agency that's tasked with doing that. So no small feat. Um, You know, there's another question that everyone keeps asking, which is, so if we put a big wall around our really low city, is it going to turn into a big bathtub? Right. So if it rains, is this going to trap all the water in downtown Charleston? And that's, that's a real concern um, because there's no wall there right now and we can get flooded with a big enough rainfall. You know, it happened twice in May, kind of random, not like a tropical storm, just rain. Um, so the core is saying it will put pretty large pump stations, like mechanical pumps in various places to try and offset that. Right. But another tricky thing about the way the core works is that they will have to offset anything they make worse, but they don't have to fix any problems that are there that they haven't been told to fix. Right. So the, the pumps in theory would help fix any issues related to the wall, but would not fix our longstanding drainage problems here in Charleston.
1: I know I saw in one of your stories, uh, you mentioned state rep Wendell Gilliard, who represents, you know, a couple of those communities who might face some of those non-structural, you know, measures. And he said that the court should kind of just go back to the drawing board if, uh, if they're thinking about relocating residents or buying property. Or in terms of like, I guess, getting, you know, support from the state level for Charleston, is that something that's going to be kind of tough, you know, dealing with different communities and trying to build support when one community might not get the benefit of the wall?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a tricky thing. And there is so much that would be behind the wall that I think state lawmakers would care about the medical district, a whole bunch of universities, you know, historic district, very expensive real estate, right? Um, To be clear, all that is behind the wall. But um, Gavin, I think If I remember, that story was in part about Rosemont, which is this really small area off the highway. They've already got like this port access road, you know, in their backyard that's being built. Um, That's been definitely a frustration. And they're essentially right on the river, like right on the upper part of the Ashley River. And so if we were to have a surge event, they'd be extremely vulnerable. Um, So Wendell Gilliard felt really strongly about that. It remains to be seen how other legislators would feel, and it has been challenging so far to get state money for flood projects, frankly. Um, we, we've had a lot of talking about flooding in South Carolina. You know, the governor had a statewide flood commission that, you know, batted around a whole bunch of ideas. Um, it didn't really translate into legislative action. And in fairness, you know, we had, like, a global pandemic crash down on our heads in the spring, um, which is right about when they might have started talking about some of those proposals, I think. So, um, you know, it's unclear if the state is going to step up and help. I know that Charleston, if we move forward with this, definitely wants help for its $600 million share, um, because that's, like, more than the city budget is in a single year. It's a lot of money. So... Um, they're probably going to ask the state, uh, but they haven't had a ton of luck in the past either. Um, for example, they wanted to put a $10 million drain on MUSC's campus to help drain it in rainstorms, and that has not materialized. It did not end up in the budget. This was pre-COVID. Um, that was a really challenging ask, it turned out. So we'll, we'll see how how state lawmakers feel.
0: So you mentioned that particular community just to call out some of the other places that people might recognize that would be left out of outside of the wall um, the South Carolina Aquarium, right? And that's a place uh, I can definitely say doesn't have a lot of spare money right now. they um, they are, really feeling some some challenges because of the pandemic. Um the International African American Museum which is under construction now. Um I know you talked to Mayor Riley about that, right? He mentioned that the the building itself is is raised above the ground. Um was was there anything else to say about about that project being left outside?
2: You know, I in terms of the African American Museum, um I don't know a whole ton more than that. The the aquarium's interesting because the main space of the aquarium is above where the wall would be um, in this proposal. But there's a whole bunch of stuff under that that's kind of important. And that I think maybe the core didn't know about this came out in the aquarium's comments. So, you know, they have stuff lower than that, that includes like the sick sea turtle nursery where they nurse turtles back to health. They have a whole bunch of um mechanical stuff that they need to actually run the aquariums and keep all the animals alive above so there are times when the aquarium has to like put flood barriers in place it, it takes a pretty extreme tide to do that but definitely one that this wall would keep away um so in their comments they were kind of arguing hey guys like you know i know you think we're okay here but maybe this could help us too um I don't know about how the African-American museum is being built. I would hope that they're trying to do something resilient. So keeping mechanical stuff higher up, um, maybe in an attic or something. This is a common problem people have, even if their house is elevated. You know, like if your air conditioner unit's on the ground, um, it's going to get messed up when it floods. So these are the kind of details that don't always come out until you really start examining these things
0: yeah i think the construction of that that building the the international african-american museum is um definitely with its location and 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 flooding in mind the entire building is going to be elevated on these huge um pillars uh so it's not that they said this this building was built with the intention of you know keeping it above the ground but it is you know it is significantly above above the ground i was over on their construction site um A little earlier this this summer so um seems like that was a a wise design design decision in terms of of raising it um so we also wanted to talk about uh what you wrote on this kind of existential question that charleston has so you've described many of the complications and challenges with having a project like this the seawall but also The question of of not doing anything, you know, poses a huge threat, of course. Um, So there's the the idea of should should we leave the peninsula? So retreat or kind of fortify. Right. Um, I guess what are some of the the arguments for for staying and what might be some arguments for saying, you know, eventually this area might be something we have to retreat from?
2: Right. And I just want to be clear, the time scale we're talking about isn't like 5 years from now, we need to like abandon ship. I mean, we're we're talking a few decades in the future. Um several decades in the future probably. But, you know, the the thing that brought this question to my mind before I wrote the piece you're talking about was in part a study that came out from the College of Charleston, um from Norm Levine, who's kind of like the guy when you talk about charleston flooding um in the academic world and he had conducted the study that showed that flooding was going to get so persistent um that if we don't really do something by like 2032 or so um it's going to reach this inflection point where it starts happening faster than we can kind of put up blockades and it's just going to be more and more of a drag on the business community um in particular you know i think he tracked um hours in which there was like a foot or more of water in a business you know the kind of thing that's going to make sure your customers don't show up so you know his argument is basically based on his research we need to do something in like the next decade to to fix this flooding, because the tidal flooding that maybe we think of as obnoxious and only covering a few intersections right now is going to become worse and more frequent, more of a problem. Never mind the rain, never mind if we get a hurricane, right? You know, this question of do you stay or do you retreat is playing out in many places right now, all up and down the East Coast. Um, some places are kind of further ahead like if you look at the florida keys um i think they're a little ahead of where we are in terms of considering like okay how long can we live in this really vulnerable place
0: yeah yeah I, so i guess uh, it's it's one of those huge questions right and it's like you said you kind of called it an, an existential question there's no way to really answer it right now um it's just more so thoughts about um just the 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 greater implications of, of of staying and and just what might force people to leave it at one point, and like you're saying this is this is not in five years. this is looking farther out. but one of the things that I thought was interesting um in your your stories was just how long would this proposed wall be effective. I think you had cited. 50 years or so can you kind of explain that more and then also that to me I wonder then wait what's the math how long does it take to actually build this wall how how long is it actually effective what's
2: that price you know that's some interesting math there yeah that's an excellent point so um, this wall would have to have a lifespan of 50 years um, that's, that's the core's goal and I think if you talk about sort of staying in Charleston and armoring it against sea rise, right? It's not just a 50 year problem. It would go far beyond that. Um, So the thing about the study, because it's a feasibility study, they haven't done all of the fine engineering work yet. So if we decide to do this in the future, you know, they're going to do engineering closer to then that will say, okay, this is what we think we need for the next 50 years. Um, There are some questions about, the core's estimation of sea level rise, you know, basically what they say in their report is that the sea would rise or the assumption they're using is that the sea would rise a little more than a foot in the next 50 years. The city is assuming the sea's going to rise like two to three feet in the next 50 years. So there's, there's already a little bit of a mismatch on, you know, how protective this would be. This would not protect against that 20 foot surge from hurricane Hugo, by the way. And in part, that's because the Corps doesn't want to lift bridges around the city. So it's limiting the height of the wall to a certain point. And it would protect against like moderate storms, but not the worst case scenario. That's another thing to consider.
1: Yeah. And I guess in the Army Corps of Engineers proposal and not only considering the height of the wall, but kind of where it would go and how it would wrap around, you know, the peninsula. What were the, some of the things they were considering well, with that uh, decision?
2: So, you know, there's the cost-benefit analysis, right? What are we protecting? And is it worth putting up this big thing? Um, there's engineering questions. You know, how, how stable is this area? How easy is it going to be to fit in this structure? Um, something that came up quite a bit in the comments is fish habitat. So in the path that's still out there right now, It cuts through several marshes, especially along the Ashley River, Um, and a whole bunch of federal environmental groups were really concerned about that, and that has been changed, to my understanding. Um, But, you know, if you're a homeowner, you might want it in the marsh, right? You might not want that wall in your backyard or going through where your house is. So, you know, there's a little bit of a tug of war going on. Um, those are the considerations they're using. And like we talked about with the aquarium, I think they tried to assume, okay, maybe this building is high enough, it's not that big a deal, but that's a question too. Um, even for some ports facilities, which aren't necessarily gonna face, you know, the same devastation as like a house um, if there's surge. There's a question of like, well, are our waves going to ricochet off this thing and like mess up all of our facilities, <laughs> even if it's even if we're not behind it, you know, if it's nearby. Um, and that's actually a big question that people in like across rivers have, you know, in in Mount Pleasant and West Ashley. Is this thing going to push more water into into adjacent communities? And we don't have an answer to that yet either.
0: I know we don't know what the wall is going to look like if it's built, do we know what it would be made of?
2: Oh, that's such a hard question. I mean I I assume a lot of steel and concrete. <laughs> um that's that's kind of what the what the core has has used in the past. Now that could have a pretty brick facade on it. Um just kind of depends on depends on how we approach it. Um something else we haven't talked about also is that there's another part of this proposal um a wave break that would be south of this wall it would be actually in the water and the point of this is to slow down waves from hitting the bottom point of the peninsula you know to help the wall stand up basically if there's really serious waves coming um that would basically be a really long pile of huge granite rocks um Which doesn't sound very pretty, and I think a lot of people were concerned about, you know, blocking the view sheds at the bottom of the city. Um, There's also some concern that, like, the amount of granite they think they need for this thing, that we just don't even produce enough granite to build it that way. Um, So I think there's going to be a lot of adjustment over various factors here and and even what uh, materials are used
0: a lot of a lot of questions of course that that are not answered yet um but i'm wondering if you know what might be the next question that gets answered what might be the next thing that we learn in this in this process so
2: we are going to get at some point in the coming months some more information on water reflecting off of the wall and how, you know, how harmful that could be. That is something that we're going to see coming up. Um, the exact path and the exact materials, like everyone wants to know. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not going to, you know, it's just not going to happen, unfortunately, for a while. Um, so the city of Charleston is going to have to say, we want to proceed or not, Um, I believe next May, and if the Army Corps also agrees, you know, if they sign the study, then it goes to Congress, and basically we wait for money. Um, So the next phase is when all the fine engineering would be done if we get the money for it, and that is a phase in which we will get many more answers about what this thing looks like, exactly where it goes how it's constructed, all that kind of stuff. Um, So, you know, we may be waiting on Congress to get some (laughs) answers here, which is frustrating because I think the impression I got from reading public comments is that people in the community thought like, okay, like this is our job to give a thumbs up or thumbs down on this thing or a maybe, right? On if we want to do this thing, but I think many of them found that hard without certain details. And sometimes the detail was like, are you going to go through my house (laughs) or are you, you know, are you going to cut off my marina from all of the people who use it? Right. Um, Are you going to strand me outside of the city? There's a condo building near the aquarium and a lot of people there ask that question, you know, like, am I going to be able to get inside the city? Um, What happens if a storm's coming and I stay in place? Can I, you know, can I move? These are complicated questions, and for a lot of them, we're just not going to know for quite a long time what the answers are.
0: Well, thank you so much, Chloe, for answering a lot of our sometimes unanswerable questions. Um, We know that there are a lot of uncertainties still in this. So if listeners have any questions for you that um, about the
2: the seawall, but other things, what
0: is the best way that they can reach you?
2: So I'm on Twitter, Um, you can find me at at underscore Chloe AJ, or my phone number and email are on all of the stories that I write. So you can just look up Chloe Johnson Post and Courier and find me pretty easily. Great. And like we said, this is a,
0: a complicated proposal and Chloe has written a number of stories about it and all of those will be linked in our description. So if you're interested, be sure to check those out and thanks for listening today. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for this podcast, you can find us on Twitter at UnderstandSC. We'll be back next week. Understand South Carolina is a production of the Post and Courier. Our music is by Billy Fountain. You can stream his music on Spotify at Billy Fountain. We'd love to know what you think of the show. You can reach us at understandSC at If you're a fan of the show, please rate and review us on the Apple Podcasts app. Keep up with the latest headlines at postandcourier.com.